on, so now I'm doing what I want. Uh, What's up, everybody? Welcome in Heat Ratio Sports Fantasy Firebox episode 30. And we got one of the longtime standing crew members back tonight, Mr. Pittsburgh John Coker, off sabbatical. Uh, my man, uh, as always, Mr. Dan Green and Tony J. Salcatillo here to talk a little. We're going to get our way too early, no pun intended, uh, quarterback rankings for fantasy football. Talk a little something different tonight, right? little third baseman from Major League Baseball, power-packed, end-of-the-corner, hot-corner position, and some NBA DFS analytics, I should say, because it is one of the hardest games to crack. Uh, what's up, boys? John is back. What's up, Al? Yeah, John. John is back. He's got the Pittsburgh gear. He's he, he, he's repping Penguins. He's repping Steelers. First of all, John, welcome back, buddy. How you doing, man? Thank you. It's good to be back. Little little sabbatical. <laughs> I like it. I love that term. Yeah, <laughs> good to have you back, Johnny. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, J- D- Danny and somebody else to deal with all my shit for a whole episode. You <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> my lips are chapped from talking too much, John. We need your uh, silent assassin voice back. Silent wow. assassin. I like that silent assassin voice. But mm. as always, talk a little fancy, man. We get this weekly episode in. Last night was was wonderful. Uh, again, hit that subscription button. Hit that bell like my man mr vance cruz says a notification bell to know when we always go live on this show because uh i shouldn't say this show i should say this network uh because we have a ton of digital offerings for everybody to listen to heat ratio sports on all formats um last night post game show for the sixers which was pretty cool uh you know heat ratio live show with mr jeff mosher which was even cooler uh and again tonight fancy firebox so let's get right into it and I'll tell you where this topic came from. I noticed a couple of people that I follow on social media. We were going back and forth about the quarterback position. And then I do the uh, final judgment piece every Tuesday on Fox Sports, the gambler with Sean Brace on a daily ticket. And one, and I basically, Sean lets me run basically my own segment. Uh, let, you know, let me know what you want to talk about. Let's get into some things that don't hit me with some stuff that's on his mind as well. One of the biggest things was Jalen hurts, not just from a, Philly perspective, but from a fancy perspective, because John always knows I always have some kind of basis on why I say what I say. And I did some digging on Jalen Hurts. And number one, I came up with the number seven. Now, John remembers this seven conversation from Stefan Diggs, where me, John, and Michelle Magic from Ball Blast. Uh, com, who had a really good podcast together uh, before the season last year. And I said, hey, guys, I think Stephon Diggs is going to be a top 10, possibly a top seven fantasy wide receiver. And both of them said I was crazy. Right? But I do say a lot of crazy things. I'm 50-50. Sometimes I hit, sometimes I don't. Right? I, I, I take the chance. I like living on the edge a little bit, and it worked out. Now, this year, I'm getting a little crazy again because I'm taking Jalen Hurts as quite possibly my seventh overall ranked fantasy football quarterback. Now, I know it's early, 
And that's why I love talking. I want to talk to both of you guys because there's a lot of different moves that are still going to be made. We don't even know if Jalen Hurts is going to be this quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, right? We don't know. But what I will tell you is last year when he was the starting quarterback on a team we all said stunk, we all said didn't have enough weapons, cars, and Wentz, okay, we're going to look at week 14, 15, and 16 where he fell at the seventh spot accordingly just with my rankings for the preseason, okay? So, week 14, 23 points. These are fantasy points. Week 15, 41. Week 16, 28. Okay, so respectively, he was 12th, 2nd, and 8th, which comes out, you divide to 3, you get 7. 30.6 points per game, 5 touchdowns, 3 picks, also a rushing touchdown, rushed for 238 yards, 850 yards passing. So, he was better than Lamar Jackson on all three of those weeks. And we've seen Lamar Jackson take a step back. Now, John, you've been back on sabbatical. I, I, I know even though on sabbatical, you still watch, you still pay attention. You have your own analytics that you do to get your mind off of certain things. So let me ask you. I, I'm not even going to say do you think I'm crazy because you always think I'm crazy. But <laughs> you always think I'm crazy, which is all good. But specifically, Jalen Hurts, as a top seven fantasy quarterback, quite specifically ranked on top of Aaron Rodgers. What do you think, buddy? No. <laughs> that's a, that's the job we missed straight now. No. <laughs> um, look, I mean, he, he could end up the number seven quarterback in fantasy next year. To, but that is, that is the peak. That is the ceiling. So, I mean, you know, and hopefully you wouldn't draft him as the seventh quarterback off the board, because you're probably going to be the one that's going to take him higher. If you believe in him that much that he's going to be number seven, you're going to wait on him in a draft. I mean, unless you want to really get crazy and you need him that bad that you're going to reach multiple rounds to get him. But I mean, he, he peaks it at seven. That's best case scenario. But then I look at worst case scenario. I mean, it, Maybe he doesn't run as much for whatever reason. I mean, he had a lot of points in, just in the running game. I mean, can we bank on 60 yards rushing every game next year? I don't know. But what if he dips down to 30 yards rushing? And his, and his passing game, you know, his passing efficiency, you know, just his touch on the ball doesn't really mature or improve, all right? And you still don't have that many weapons. And the offensive line is still – there's a lot of ifs there – that I would I would sway more to you know I would take him as like maybe fourteen with the upside of a seven but a downside of a twenty five I mean I think it's in full reality that he could be you know the bottom quarter of quarterbacks in terms of fantasy he could be in the top you know twenty percent so I think he may be the quarterback that has the biggest variance. And what he can actually do next year. It's a good point. And I'll tell you what, if he's on that bottom tier of quarterbacks, I'm in trouble with my prediction, especially if I draft 
based upon my prediction. So, Dan, obviously there is definitely some credence to what John says, and I know this is why we labeled this episode way too early quarterback rankings because we don't even know who they're going to draft yet. We don't know what the offensive line should look like, but let's just pretend this is a perfect world where the offensive line, Everett Brandon Brooks comes back healthy. You know, they had whether it's Jason Kelsey or like Jeff Mosher said last night, it's Salamalu moving over to center with Driscoll starting at the guard position. <clears throat> Johnson comes back. I mean, there's a lot of ifs, but what do you think going forward just overall Jalen Hurts as a top-notch fantasy quarterback? I'm I'm leaning more towards what John was saying. I wouldn't put him outside the top 15, but to put him in the top seven is a bold stretch. That being said, with what you just referenced, you almost don't want – I mean, for the Eagles you want, but for Jalen Hurts you almost don't want a perfectly healthy offensive line because then he's going to get you 60, 70 yards rushing from scrambling every game. Um, and when you scramble, you know, it comes backyard football and you have busted plays downfield. And that's kind of where he'll make his gravy, I think, on the busted plays. If, um, if the offensive line is healthy and they're blocking for him and he's more of a pocket passer with the occasional scramble situation, can we trust his accuracy? Are we still – having concerns about this receiving core. Um, and it's ironic because he performed so well those last four games. I saw kind of what you're, what you're projecting coming, but I still think there's a few top-notch established quarterbacks that would be ahead of him on my board. But like John said, his upside can get to the five, six, seven range, but it also could be below below fifteen to twenty. I would probably put him in a twelve to fifteen range. I mean, listen, that's the safe range to me, right? It is, and, and that's the safe range to me. And I'll tell you why. And I'm I'm going to go over exactly who my top ten is and tell you where my logic is. Now, I'm curious what you guys think of this, obviously, because. Number one, I respect your opinion. And number two, I need I need somebody that's not biased, right? So Patrick Mahomes, I think we can all agree. My my top three are Mahomes, Allen, and Murray. I think Same. they they're right. I think they're kind of interchangeable, right? I mean, you know, depending on maybe Murray jumps over Allen, maybe Allen jumps over Mahomes. Seriously, you never know. Uh, but I think everybody in their right mind is probably gonna have those three. Now, Dan, this is where it gets interesting at four and five, because we don't, as of right now, know where Deshaun Watson is going to play next year. Uh, you know, and I'll tell you what, if he goes to Carolina, I think that he may really push for that top three consideration because I think that team is ready. And I think under Matt Rule and Joe Brady, I think he will be fantastic because they were limited by the legs of Teddy Bridgewater last year. So having a mobile quarterback like Deshaun Watson, I think only helps that team. You think he could push for one of those top three spots if he goes to Carolina? Absolutely. I mean, even if he if he somehow stuck in Houston and what you know winds up caving and playing, he's a top six, seven quarterback just with a bad football team. But put him on that squad, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a, a huge upgrade for his uh, career and his fantasy value. So let me ask you this. Out of those five guys, or even in your own list, 
you know, is that your top five in different parts or do you have somebody else in your top five? No, I have, I have those four and I have, I, I, I have to have Lamar Jackson up there just because, well, because regular season, he's just going to, he's going to get you 80 yards a game. Just even in those playoff games, he was getting eight at a hundred yards. So he looked like he was taking a down tick, but he still puts numbers up. And I, I, I still think I, I'm, I'm looking for the mobile quarterbacks to be in the top of my list. I, I, I dig it. The only thing that scares me about Jackson, I think he had a really off year last year, and he, he was actually out of the top 15 for most of the year. Uh, we'll, we'll see what way he's had this year. Now, Don, Donald Texan, Donald Conway, Conway Jr., thanks for checking in, buddy. Appreciate it. He says, what do you think it would take to get Watson to Carolina? Listen, I think the reports of three first-round picks of Christian McCaffrey were a little overblown. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that's happening, but – it definitely starts with at least two first rounders. I mean, John, we're talking about we we I, I've said this reference plenty of times because it's been said not just by me, by a lot of people on the national airwaves that Deshaun Jackson's quite possibly the Michael Jordan of football because he he is that damn good. So, what do you think, John? Besides two first round picks, maybe even three, I'm not sure. What do you think it takes after seeing what Matthew Stafford got? Uh, okay, what well, his value was. For the Rams, what do you think it takes to get him to Carolina? Truthfully, I'm like the worst person to ask this. I, That's I, funny. That is the one thing. I I can never judge trade packages in the NFL. I just – I have a hard time doing it. You know what I mean? I, at least you could – like in baseball, it's different because it's like a slew of players for like a player and you wait, you know – the how much of a prospect they are and it, but it's like player for player. Once you start dealing with draft picks and multiple years and how long they have on their contract and all that stuff, I'm seriously like the worst judge of you know what that would be. So I, I have no answer for you. All right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll take the um, rope then, John. Go ahead, um, go ahead, <laughs> Now, so if if he if um, Houston's looking for a Stafford Hall. Obviously, he's a better quarterback than Stafford, but I'm all, I'm also of the mindset. If I, if I took the mindset of a GM, you don't have leverage. You have a very disgruntled quarterback that desperately wants out. Um, I'm not giving you four number ones for him. You know, so it, it, you have to have the leverage. You have to play the leverage card, in my opinion. And does Houston really have a lot of leverage? with a quarterback that is that disgruntled. Now he's super talented. So it's like, all right, if you don't give us our four, we're going to keep him here. So now you got him a, a malingering quarterback the whole year. And, and some people on our show, like Jamar thinks he might even sit out a year. So I it's about so. It, a lot of it's about leverage. So talent for talent. Yeah. Of course he gives you a package, a better package than what Stafford would garner. But there was no, there was no animosity with Detroit. Stafford didn't have to get traded, so there, they, there's leverage on any team that's dealing with Houston. And that, well, see, and that's the thing too. I think there's a lot of leverage from Deshaun Watson because I agree with Jamar. Uh, I, I think that he will sit out for the year. Uh, right. He's very, right. He's very perturbed with what happened within the organization. 
Uh, he, he, he wasn't happy that they traded away DeAndre Hopkins last year. He wasn't happy that they did not hire or, or even interview minority coaches. Right? There's a lot of different areas for Deshaun Watson whose is, leverage is at an all-time high, in my opinion, for just wanting to sit out and just say, you know what? I'm sitting out. I'm not. I'm not risking myself, or, or you know, or, or you know, or my abilities to play for somebody I don't want to play in and I don't believe in. So I think that's always an issue. Now let let let's go back to our top list, and I I, I want to go down. You said Lamar Jackson. He obviously he's in my top ten, so he pushes a couple of people around. Now here's where it gets interesting, and here's where the discussion points come from. And John, I go right to you because now my number five is Justin Herbert. I have him ranked as my number five. I have my number six is Russell Wilson. My number seven is Lamar Jackson. My number eight is Jalen Hurts. My number nine is Aaron Rodgers. My number 10 is Matt Stafford. Now, I think Jalen Hurts could quite possibly jump Lamar to that famous number seven spot that I love. But right now, I have number eight. But I think he could quite possibly go to number Seven. Now, John, the, the end of that list where we talk about Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford. What's on your mind when I give you those top five? And do you have that same kind of list or who are you taking out? Obviously, I know you're taking Hurts out. How about Stafford? What do you think about him? Oh, John's on mute. Oh. <laughs> sorry. That's all right. The dog was. No, it's dog... been a while, brother. It's been a while. That's no, all right. The... The dog was barking, so I muted my mic. So you know, I was being courteous. I love it. Um, I need to be in more football leagues with you. That's yeah. all I got to say. With, with that as the top five, I love it. Um, anything's possible. Um, I mean, my top ten is pretty different. Even uh, for me, Mahomes and Josh Allen are the top two. I don't have Murray in necessarily that top tier. I know the stats he's put up. I've seen him play. Um, I'm, I'm not sold that he's a consensus three, but I do have my next group of four guys, which is Kyler, Deshaun, um, Rogers, and probably Russell Wilson. All right. But we, we forget, yes, he ended the season very poorly, but we forget that he was on, you know, in a ridiculous pace for the first half of the season. But True. all in all, looking at complete game, I would probably go Wilson. Lamar is too, too one-dimensional. I still haven't seen his passing game come along. Um, teams hone in on what the game plan is. It took a full year, year and a half. He's an amazing talent, but he has not proven to me whether it is with play calling or his passing skill. He is too one-dimensional but I will put him at seven because those rushing yards and touchdowns do add up. Um, and it's more, he's the top of the default more than I actually trust Lamar Jackson. I go Lamar Brady Dak, which we can't forget about Dak. And then I'm going Justin Herbert, but, I like uh, but that. it's really, to me, there's it's tears. The top two in Mahomes and Allen second tier is, Watson, Roger, or Kyler Watson, Rogers, possibly Wilson. I might even have him down in the second tier with Lamar, Brady, Dak, and then I actually do see a drop off with Herbert. I want to see him repeat it a second year. 
You always talk about that. Yeah. Well, and think about it. They didn't even start the season with him as a starter. I mean, technically, he didn't play 16. He didn't start 16 NFL games. All right. You're going through your first offseason. There's going to be some turnover. Now you're going in. This is your team from day one. All right. It's a little bit of a different mentality. He had nothing to lose. He wasn't even supposed to start. All right. Now it's a different mentality. This team, here's the keys, buddy. You got the keys to the car. You better prepare. You better lead. I mean, I don't know what their free agent situation looks like. Um, Eckler being healthy, coaching staff. So there's a lot of questions there. But, I mean, he did show me a lot last year. You love the tier system. I, I, you know, I know, I know from from us doing fantasy together for a, a multitude of years. You you love ranking by the tier system, and I I personally love the tier system for drafts as one of my favorites. I I just have a, a problem with Dak. I have a problem with Russell Wilson, and I have a problem with Aaron Rodgers. Quite quite honestly, because I think last year I love listen I love Aaron Rodgers, but you know for him to be able to duplicate the same year that he just had at his age is damn near impossible. Okay. Russell Wilson is already disgruntled talking about, yo, I'm getting hit way too much. Okay. Probably because, you know, his wife was like, yo, honey, I am tired of rubbing your back every night. Okay. Cause Sierra's like, you should be rubbing my back, but, uh, all kidding aside, I, I just I think those two guys take a step back. I, I do. I, I from and Russell was a very bad quarterback fantasy wise for the second half of the year. I remember we, we started off, we were talking yeah. about right. MVP. Remember, Dan? We were talking oh, just MVP. Yeah. Russell was the MVP. And then he just crashed, man. He crashed. Well, well, that's one of the reasons why I wasn't afraid to put Jackson up so high because I I'm I also tend to, to tear my guys. Um and you've Watson, who we talked about, he could be a disgruntled player who might be stuck in Houston. Dak's coming off a horrific injury. He has amazing weapons, so that's why he's probably in that next tier, question mark still. Aaron Rodgers, you just spelled out. Can he duplicate such a phenomenal year at his age? Russell Wilson, another disgruntled quarterback who had a horrific second half of the year. And Herbert would be in that grouping for me too, Prove it, prove it again for me, kid. So all those guys have question marks, and that's why Jackson's athletic ability and some of the meaningless regular season games, I think he's going to accrue some fantasy points and value. So all the second-tier guys, as it were, have question marks. Yeah, and that was one of my reasons indirectly on why I put Jalen Hurts up so high. He has a question mark too, though. Right. He is. Right. He is. Yeah. Yeah. But I think his question mark more uh, more or less is, is he going to be the starter when we already know? Listen, all he can go is up. If you're if you're keeping it real here, we talked about a team whose offensive line was horrendous. For the, he was running for his life. We know that just like Carson Wentz was. But he hit some of those deficiencies. So if he was able to hide the deficiencies on that offensive line last year, even if he gets a little bit of a, of an uptick, of an upgrade, I'll tell you what, the sky's the limit for this kid. Because here's the thing. I think he rushes for six, 700 yards. Yeah, and, I, no, right? I, I agree with you. I, I, that's where I disagree with John. John was saying, he, you know, what if he's getting 30 yards a game? I think he's going to have 50, 60 yards most games. Um, 
But again, we talked about teams having tape and that's going to make a big difference. You sure. caught teams with their pants down the first couple games and you saw how he played his last two games. And be, before, before that fiasco in Washington, he wasn't playing so well. So this is correct. It's it listed. And, and he doesn't have, and, and we, we still have question marks with this, the whole weapons on this team. So it, it, he, his question mark, I think he's going to be the starter. My question marks for him is what the hell is going to be surrounding him? This is true. What's up, John? No, all I was going to say, it goes, it goes back to, I don't know if it was you, Dan or Tony, when you said about the, the broken plays and the busted plays. Dude, I'm not banking on a quarterback. That, um, I'm not banking on the guy that's relying on busted plays to give me stats. I'm sorry. Can't do it. Can't do it. I mean, look, I'll take it. But I'm that, like, if that's where I think my stats are coming from, that's not a guy that I'm really looking at. That's a good point. That's no, a I good get that point. too. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great point. It's a good way to put it. And I'll tell you what, it's a good way to segue into and what I wanted to do is again these are just this is what we talk about. These are way too early rankings, but it's it's fun to talk about because you look at the landscape of how everybody changed. What's up, Dan? I. I before we switch to something else, I just yeah, wanted your I wanted your take on where you're going to rank Baker. Wow, you know because <laughs> he's your boy. John's laughing. John's laughing. I'll tell you what he was able to do this year in Cleveland under the new coach. He said under the new regime, uh, they, you know, they formulated that team. Everybody's coming back, in my opinion. Maybe now it'll be interesting what happens to Odell. You know, will he be moved because they showed they were right? They, yeah, they, it's actually bad for that team. Well, yeah, but the thing is, they played so well without him. That's what right? I'm saying. He's bad for that team, right? So, yeah. So, I mean, he could possibly be moved. I listen. Baker to me is a top 15 fantasy quarterback. Uh, I think he's like 14 or 15, but I think he's still top 15. I I, I don't think I, I. I'll tell you what. I'd rather have him than Matt Ryan. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are on the Matt Ryan Ryan. Uh, wagon all the time but another year older you know did he did he not show you that inconsistency last year and the thing about baker is the legs again you you have to put the legs into the equation i think he had five rushing touchdowns last year and and that's huge that again that's an extra 30 points overall and if he can rush for 300 yards i mean you're talking about an extra 60 fantasy points that's that's a dynamic that takes you from 280 to 340. I mean, I, honestly, I, we, we have to talk about that. So I don't think Baker gets enough love, Dan. I don't. I know everybody laughs because they know Baker's my boy, but he does not get enough love to me because I think they what, what happens is there's two or three games where he probably threw about 170 yards and one touchdown. And everybody's like, oh, this guy stinks. Listen, if you look at it from a DFS standpoint, and, you know, because I think Baker is ranked completely different from traditional to DFS because he's not consistent enough on a week to week basis, but he has a lot of boom games. If you pick the right matchup at DFS, you can really hit on him. And those boom games are what kind of over overvalue him in the traditional rank. So uh, not to get long winded, but he's definitely for me, 14 or 15, but he's almost he's at at least every other week DFS streamer, in my opinion. Yeah, he's a, yeah he, he, he's a matchup guy for sure. Yep. 
especially with that team. You know, if they if they face the right defense, you know they're going to run the ball. You know they're going to get the play action going. Uh, and, and he looked very, very, very good uh, zoning in on, on Jarvis Landry. And the one thing with them is between David Njuku, Harrison Bryant, and Austin Hooper, they have three really good tight ends. Not great, but not bad. And they run a lot of two tight end sets, and they're athletic. And that's a, and, and that's the one thing that helps Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield throws a lot of deep balls, and he throws a lot of jump balls. And when he does that, he needs somebody to go up and get him. He needs somebody to, to – to, because, let's face it, he's not the most accurate quarterback in the world. We understand that. Neither is Josh Allen. And the reason why Josh Allen was so good because Stephon Diggs and, and you know was able to go up and get the ball right. Cole Beasley was always be that dump ball foul. Tyler Croft was able to be that guy in the red zone. So he had a, a lot of outlets. So I think that's exactly like Baker. I know John, he's in your division with your you know with your Steelers, and I know you can never give the, the Cleveland Browns any credit. But what do you think about Baker? Am I you know uh, do we at least give him top fifteen? You give my boy a little top fifteen love or no? Sure. Ah. Whatever. <laughs> Look, I mean, in all reality, like, in all reality, he's he's not a guy that I'm going to be happy about as my QB one for sure. That you know, we I already talked about the top the top two guys, and truthfully, does it matter if it's Tom Brady or Justin Herbert? You know, we talked about all these guys and the warts that they have. I don't think it would surprise us if any of those guys could be, you know, QB6, QB7. You know, would it shock you if Brady was QB6? Would it shock you if Herbert was QB6? Like, you you look at all these guys, even Matt Ryan. You may not like him, Tone, but, I mean, in reality, it is in the realm of possibilities. You start going down the list. That's why I'm not going to have – I'm going to take whatever's left. I'm going to wait. I see all these guys. I'll just make sure I take two of them. So what I, you know, is a Stafford Mayfield a reasonable way to go if you have a ton of, you know, wide receivers and a stable running backs and a good tight end? I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, I really play the draft, but I will not be taking a QB high. Baker, I mean, he, like you said, he some games he plays and some games he doesn't. Um, you know, their MOs to run the ball. So it's really about the matchup. 100%. Our buddy Nick checking in says, I'm so sorry, but it's hard to look at a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey. <laughs> LOL, just kidding. That's all right, Nick. Stay tuned for that post-game show tonight on the Flyers. I know. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. I, I, I will say this about Nick. I don't think I've ever seen anyone <coughs> watch a Flyers game so intensely as Nick Crisco, okay? So when he's going live on Facebook and he's pacing back and forth, yelling, I love it. It, it is it is what Philadelphia and, and a Flyers fan emulates. It, it is wonderful. Nick, I love you, dude, seriously. Uh, make sure you tune in to our man up there in the top left-hand corner, his boy Vance, Flyer and Ice, uh, going live tonight and for the post game too. So you know, I'm sure you'll get your get your uh, comments in there as well. Hell yeah, hell yes, baby, absolutely, I love it. 100 on board. I know. Right. Well, here's the thing with football, I don't move. That's the thing. My kids laugh at me when like football. I'm pacing. I'm standing up. Like I I, I can't wait for the next play. Right. Uh, look, we got a prediction right here. Three one Flyers. Nick says. Uh, or, or no, they're playing right now. That, that's, the that's the score. That's the score. Three one. See, he's a fanat- He's got a crystal ball that's like called a TV. Yeah, 
Well, you can tell how, how I am not involved in hockey one a bit. That's why it's definitely not my thing. But let's let's transition into the NBA a little bit because I want to do the show in three segments, keep this under an hour. I want to go to first half football and then split up the second half between uh, NBA and Major League Baseball because I want to talk about the hot corner in Major League Baseball. But NBA, I, I, I first of all, before we even get to guys like Mike Connolly, who I think is going to be one of your most consistent picks throughout the rest of the season for Utah, it, at, at a mid level, uh, at a mid level take, I should say, not not a guy who's going to. I'm not paying eight thousand for Connolly, but if he continues to stay between six and seven, maybe even seventy five hundred, I think it could be a really good value play. But Dan, let me ask you something because I, I've had, I don't even know how this is possible, but. You know I do these three plays every day. And the last three days, how do I – and this is what I want people to understand, why NBA is so hard. I get the mid-tier guy right. I get the low-value guy right. But that goddamn top guy, I, I get know. the snowflake. Three days – like, it's not just so easy to say, oh, yeah, give me give, give me a B for 10-6. He's good. You don't necessarily know that because guess what? If he gives you a snowflake at 10-6, you're most likely screwed. Okay, like you can't right Dane? is I mean, no, you, you, can't, you don't you don't put Embiid in your lineup for 39 points. Exactly. Exactly. So you're screwed. So my point is, I it's happened to me with John Wall. It's happened to me with Jokic. It's happened to me with Embiid, uh, you know, and again, I haven't put them on a DTM list, which is the dead to me list, but. They are really work. Joel Joel's working on my nerves. That, but but you know how he made up for it is when he had that ninety point output on DraftKings a couple weeks ago. So oh that makes up for a, a good or two plays. But Dan, I know tonight you 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 love to look at these low value guys as well. And you, I do. You, you do. I, and, and you're like me. I, I love. I'll tell you everybody when, when I do the, the watch lock segments. What I literally do is I go to the all tab and I go to $4,000, and I scroll between a three and $4,000 mark and say, let me see one or two guys that I can find. So then if I want to spend 22000 on two guys up top, I know I have a comfort level at a couple guys down low. So you pick, you had a fantastic pick the other night with Saban Lee. And the last two games, there's a guy 30 and 35 respectively. Uh, and again, people, these are DraftKings points. So uh, for all the people that show up in the DMs, they're like, oh, you only scored five. No. You look at DraftKings <laughs> points, okay, and I'll show you what we're talking about. But Saban Lee is the perfect kind of low-tier, low-value guy. But eventually, you're going to start having to pay for Saban Lee. Now, Dan, how do you differentiate? And or, or I should say, do you have a number that you look at that says, okay, when Saban Lee gets to like 4,800, not paying up on him, until I watch him for a couple games and see what he does? No, that's it. That's a- Absolutely perfect way to put it. When you're building a lineup and you can put three, eight to ten thousand player, ten thousand dollar players in, and then you maybe can squeeze a, a couple sixes, and then I see um, injury reports and I see Lee is getting twenty eight minutes a game and he's thirty two hundred dollars. It's like really you're, you're you're giving him to me for thirty two hundred dollars, which was the other night tone. Yep, and and now he's at 3,800 because people are starting to see. But yeah, I will find the next Saban Lee when he starts climbing into the upper fours because I have to. 
it's it, it's a it's a great analogy because it's exactly what you have to do. You have to be ready. I call it watch and locks specifically because these are the values that you watch consistently on a daily basis. I, I love doing it. Like I I couldn't wait to get on today because Saban Lee was thirty two hundred. I couldn't wait to get on and see what he was tonight, and he yeah. went up six hundred to thirty eight. Right. So, but again, that's not. We're still under four thousand. That's okay. Right. But when, but when you when, when a guy goes, I, there was a couple guys. I forget specifically who they were that went from like thirty seven hundred to like forty eight. I'm like, whoa! I'm not paying up eleven hundred dollars for a guy who had one good night. Not happening. No matter how bad the defense is, you know. Right. I mean, I, I have. Um, f- I mean, for the show, I I kind of I went through a little of my history, and then I kind of was plotting some things. So here, here are to me guys in the three K range that have put a, a nice four game stretch together. And I'm surprised they're still in the three K range and you can agree or disagree tone. Okay. Cameron Payne, Nas Reed. Yep. Saban Lee. Dario has been playing well. Kent, and Kane, Kent Bazemore. So it's funny you say that because I don't know if you remember, but I, I've I've hyped I hyped up Camp Bazemore in the beginning of the year. And again, and I'm not saying that because it's it was my pick. I'm saying that because it goes to your picks of Cameron Payne and Darius Arts that they play on a team that's very good offensively, but isn't a top tier team. Now Phoenix obviously is better than Golden State, but they have distributors, big time distributors on that team. Okay, especially Phoenix with Chris Paul. I mean, he dropped right. 19 dimes the other night, right? It was ridiculous. So, and, and you know, Devin Booker's not giving off the ball. So, uh, you know, and and again, you have Steph Curry going on Golden State, and you have Draymond Green who's dropping 10 and 12 a game, you know, dropping dimes like it's crazy, right? So, you know, it, it's a perfect, perfect, uh, you know, analysis by you because this is what, and, and I know we're on the same page this, and John, I'm going to bring you in this conversation as well. And the reason why I have the DraftKings things up Okay, because I wanted to let everybody know, just as as we're live on this show, like certain guys we talked about on the Watson Locks DFS Blend episode today, you know, you have a guy in DeJounte Murray who, to me, was a great value tonight, 7,400. He already has 11 points, and they all, they're only four minutes into the game. Okay, so you already know, unless he really hits a wall, okay, he's going to do very well. Sadiq Bey... He already has 12, right? Um, Saban Lee looks like he didn't get into the game yet. Okay, but again, the, the reason why I, I, I bring this up is because these are the kind of guys that you have to look at on a nightly basis. One thing, Dan, I see no snowflakes right now. So I'm going to not go. <laughs> There's no snowflakes, Dan. Now, real fast, John. One of the biggest things, and, and and again, we don't always know this going in, depending on what kind of software you use, if you use a premium site. I don't use a premium site. I go by my own rankings. Um, But I'm not saying you can't because sometimes a premium site, it's a good reference. It's a good tool. They have a lot of analytics on there, and then you judge wisely based on your own theories, right? But I'm looking at the percentages tonight, the own percentages, and we're talking like Lonnie Walker is 56% owned. So – Lonnie Walker then, and he was only 3,700, so he's kind of a value play, but he really needs to step up because, you know, at 3,700, if he doesn't give you, I would say, 15 to 20, it's a bad pick. So, like, last night, Shake Milton, 3,900. I need, I want a 20. 
Okay. 18, right? He got 18.75. So technically he got 19 points. Okay. So that's okay for me. So, so John, I, I, I know you're not the huge NBA guy. I know you were trying to get the lineup in uh, before the show start. You kind of got snuffed out, but you know, low, low tier value. Do you really hang your hat on these low tier value guys or, or you just go all in with the start the first and just kind of fill out the rest? I do a little bit of both. I usually st- start out I, I i'm picking one of the top guys most yep. likely so I, I figure out who i want to hitch my wagon to once i do that then i mean typically i'm look i'm looking through the injury report and exactly. seeing who's going to be out for the opportunity to pick up minutes and you know especially at a cheaper price so that's kind of the that's where i get my salary down then i start looking at what i have and really, and then just kind of filling out the, you know, the last couple positions. So, you know, you pick your, I pick my stud, I pick two, three values based on injuries. And then I have, you know, I'm sitting around the five, 6,000 range where I can figure out, do I want to go with two 7,000 guys and two 5,000 guys? Do I want to pick up another cheap guy? Do I want to stack another 10,000 guy and go cheaper than the rest? So that's kind of how I usually do the makeup. I love the stacks, and, and and Dan, you know that we talk about that all the time. I, I I love the stacks on a good game, and and one of those games I looked at tonight, which had an over and under a two thirty, uh, was was that was that Minnesota Chicago game, uh, you know the Minnesota it was an over and under at two hundred twenty nine, so basically two thirty. Uh, that means a lot of points going to be scored in that game, and 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 I like to pounce on those games. Uh, and, and if you notice, if you look and you do your research, most of the people that win always pounce on the right game. Now, Correct. what I want to say about Saban Lee before we move on to other players is I want to give everybody, a, 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 you know, a little insight because we talk about this on the show a lot. We don't like to just throw stuff up against the wall. There, there are a lot of analysis and research that goes into the theories that we give to you. Saban Lee's thirty eight hundred now. He averaged 31 and 34 respectively over the last two nights. So if I go into the logic saying I I expect Saban Lee to give me 35, but he only gives me 20, you still only bet 3,800 for him. So it's not the end of the world, right? It's the difference of saying, okay, go back to Lonnie Walker, who I, I just expect 25 from or 20, and he gives me six. That's when you get hurt. Right. Gallinari was last night. Gallinari last night. I, I was expecting 25 to 30. I got six. That hurt. That is a difference between a 280 point game to a 310 point game. And Dan knows, right? You have, in order to get, in order to cash your lineups, you have to be around 310. It's just, you know, 310 to 330 is those magic numbers. And if you're lucky enough to get like 350, you're really, you're, you're really turning ahead. So, Dan, who uh, obviously follow up with that, and I'll give you one B, is for me, I, I've talked about Mike Connolly. He, he's that guy. I think that he could be very, very valuable to you going down the stretch in a traditional and or a DFS streamer because he plays on such a good team in Utah, and he's not the number one option. He's, he's quite frankly, probably the number three option scoring on that team. If that's the case, you know, who in your mind would be your guy or guys that you look at down the stretch, and and what, what's your rebuttal to the, um, the Lonnie Walker-Saban Lee comparison? Huh. Um, 
or whatever, or 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 what you were going to say. Uh, what I I, I kind of unrudely cut you off. <laughs> no, you didn't cut me off. I was I wanted to I wanted to really um before I forgot I wanted to give John props. His oh. Friday night lineup was extraordinary. He's put up like three hundred forty three points, I believe. So we got a we got a shout Whoa, out to Jim. yo John. Yeah, I mean, that's why I decided it, to show it, back up on the podcast. It was, podcast. A, it was I, a killer I figured, lineup. I figured, I, figured I, I won. I won. I might as well show my face. Right. I mean, it, I, I, I'm almost hoping you could recall the players you had because that was an amazing line. Well, you had JoJo who had 90 points. That didn't well, hurt. that was the day. That was when Ben was out. Yeah. JoJo was on a hot, hot streak. You had Toby. Tobias too, was playing yeah. good. I was like, dude, I'm building around JoJo and Tobias. And that's when he blew up. Um, I had Clint, Clint Capella gave me a good game. I mean, everybody did pretty good. Um, you know, Osman, I, he was cheap that that day. Um, and I had Chris Paul. So those were the big ones. Only one snowflake. But but a 91-pointer by Embiid, I mean. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, that helps <laughs> a little bit. That really helps, okay? Um, again. Uh, let's see. I can. I'm pulling it up right now because. But that was like the night I try to be a a bright dude, and I try. I think I picked um, Jared Allen my center, and try to get a couple strong guards or something. So I crapped the bed by not having JoJo in the lineup. You should yeah, have took see, him for tonight. He's already at 30 points. Who's of that? Course. Jared Allen. Yeah, I love Jared. Yeah, he's Allen. on fire tonight. He's I in. Guess. He's in my lineup for tonight. Wow. Well, well, John, it's funny. We just talked about stacking games, right? And if you look at John's lineup, that's exactly what he did. Uh, You know, the only guy he missed on was Tyrese Maxey, who he said, like you said, got him a snowflake. But again, 3,800, he still got him 13 points, so at least he got him something. But he has Tobias Harris. He got him 47 and a half. Embiid, 91.75. He's got Capella at 57 and three quarters. Uh, Patrick Beverly, hey, yeah, Patrick Beverly's dead to me. That's yeah, 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 me too. He is. He, I, for good reasons for you. Yes, very good reasons. <laughs> I know why for you. We're gonna get to that in a second. Yeah, Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul. This was the 19 assist game for Chris Paul. What a what a pick that was. 56 and a half. CD Oseman at 32. Even had Jaden McDaniels in there with a, with a, with a 21 and a half. So. Uh, John had a fantastic lineup, uh, and he was 20 points ahead of the next guy. So T-Mart had 328 in our league, and he had the right Hernan Gomez. Yes. Uh, he had uh, Donovan Mitchell at 55. He also had Embiid. He also <laughs> had Oseman. And he had Garrett Temple, who had 26. So And DeLon Wright, who had 32. So he had a good lineup as well. Um, again, chill 1976. Yeah, he's good. He had two snowflakes though, and and this is where we talk about Fred Van Fleet had thirty three and he paid eight grand for him. That was not good. Seth Curry he paid almost five grand, only got him thirteen. And again, there there's your issue. Now, here's what I want to say is very interesting here. If you look at the draft percentage of these guys, this is interesting because here's a team compiled of guys who were all over, for the most part, 20%. There's only a couple guys in Fournier and Van Fleet that were under 13%. So he basically took a popular lineup 
and constructed the parts in the right way, formulated his system correctly in order to score close to that 300-point mark. So it does happen. But to get back to the the dead-to-me list, to Patrick Beverly, (laughs) okay, just so everybody knows, that Dan knows, I I was sitting on a a, a same-game parlay the other night. Actually, it was a a four-game parlay. And I had three legs of the parlay hit in the first quarter. And all I need Patrick Beverly was to give me one three-pointer for one parlay and two for the other one, for the big moonshot parlay. Uh, No pun intended to kill Kenny. But what I will say is he didn't do anything for the rest of the game. Nothing. I mean, I'm sitting on waiting for a $2,000 hit, and I get nothing. Nothing. I mean, he had me so excited. I was texting Dan like, yo, I think I'm going to hit. I think I'm going to hit. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> that did not happen. So, unfortunately, we didn't hit. And that means Patrick Beverly is dead to me uh, because he just couldn't get it done. Now, listen, let's go along with, with, with basketball for another minute. Then we're going to switch over to the hot corner for the last 10. Uh, John, Dan, I don't know who wants to go first, but let me ask you guys. Again, and we talked about how we formulate lines. We talked about some super values. Dan gave us some great values over the last week that we should look at going forward. What about guys who not necessarily are value guys, but very good consistent scoring options, like uh, like a guy like Mike Connolly, like a guy like Zion Williamson? Because uh, Zion Williamson is just he's consistent. He's very consistent, yeah. and you know he's guaranteed to get you forty. May actually get you fifty-five to sixty some nights. Like I think tonight. Uh, but Dan, who's on your list? It, it could even just be one guy that you you kind of look at for every single one of your lineups, you know, for the entire week. Um, the Ball brothers have been very solid this year. Lonzo's been very consistently. Yeah, he, Lonzo's in the six range. Yep, and and Kobe White. Kobe, yeah, he surprised he, me. He really yeah. has. So th- th- that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. I, you know, you, you take a flyer on Jared Allen instead of Embiid or Jokic, and maybe you try to put Kobe White, Andrew Wiggins, those type of players in your lineup. Um, so so you don't have to go bargain basement shopping for a couple three thousand dollar guys. So it, it, you play around. I I attack. I I kind of do what John referenced earlier. I scour the injury report. Then I will look at the players that are vying for the replacement time of the injured players. And I'll, and I'll see a, a one or two or three game trend. Are they getting like, like Lee, for example, he went from not playing for the whole season to his, the two games. He got 28 and 31 minutes right off the, right off the bat. So that that's something that I look at. So I look at minutes. I look at who they're replacing and I look at their value, and then I'll I'll put them on the side and my on my legal pad, and then I'll start putting the big boys in my lineup. And when I got a few too many big boys, I'll take one out and I'll start plugging the the value guys like Lee in there, and and we'll see what happens. And that's kind of how I build my lineup. And and I've been I've been very fortunate in, in our league. I I didn't come into money, but I I'm getting 280 points every week to 300 that's good so i'm always in a hunt um so i'm giving myself a chance on most nights my my goal like you said is to constantly be in the 310 range and above 
And that's only happened a few times. So I'm not going to lie. And, 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 and that is the goal. As long as you can come with consistent points from 280 or above, you are 100% going. I just hope John played that line. I hope he played that line up in a, in an expensive uh, format as well. Yeah, because, right. you know, we only had – ah, uh, I got the snowflake already. Who? Lonnie Walker with the snowflake. Minus yeah. five. Thanks, Lonnie. Really looking good there, Lonnie. But uh, That's like an icicle. Yeah, that's that's bad. That's bad. So, John, player, one, two, whoever, one of your favorite players, a guy that, you, that seems to be in your lineup a lot more than everybody else. Who who was that guy you consistently like to hit on? Well, Doncic is not on my list. Every time I pay up for him, the dude See? tanks <laughs> every single like I, I it was like once, twice, third time I'm done with you. I can't do it. Just can't do it. Um, yeah, that's the worst too because he's like eleven, eleven three, eleven four something. He's over eleven thousand most nights. Yeah. Truthfully, I mean, I've been paying up for Embiid and, and Trey Young a lot um, when I'm paying up. Um, Kelly Oubre, I like kind of in that middle tier. His price is getting there. He's on um, Tom's list. Yep. No, I like Oubre. It's Olenek. No, I'm sorry. I, on I, my got the wrong K- I got the wrong KO. Yeah, yeah. He's I'm on sorry. my death to me list. By the way, John, Trey Young tonight. Already 25 regular points in the first half, and he's already at 37 DraftKings points. And they just went that gate 72 to 49 Atlanta at halftime, by the way. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm watching I'm watching Trey Young and Jared Allen both on fire. Wow. So we'll we'll see. But I got a snowflake. Who's your snowflake? Justin Holiday. I tried swapping them up, but that it locked ah, up. That, that was, was one of my swaps. Ah. Who were you going to try to swap them for, though? Uh, there was a there was a handful. Um, <laughs> Never mind, because because you almost want to like wish that guy has a crappy game, also. Yeah, uh, I for, I forget, but somehow I maneuvered it to get um, who'd you say, Dejounte Murray? Dejounte yeah. Murray, yep. Yeah, I, I somehow I was getting him in in this. Uh, conjunction which was what i really wanted to do well Dejounte murray i think is going to have a really good night uh he, he was 7400 i think he was a a really good value actually a, a triple double kind of value guys so uh so let's let's transition we got about five to ten minutes left uh let's let's end talking a little major league baseball and again we'll go three for three tonight and i, I want to start picking a position a week uh, last week we talked about the closing pitcher position. Uh, the week before we kind of uh, uh, you know elaborated on very uh, multitude of positions. Tonight I want to talk about the third base position. Talk about the hot corner because Dan has visions of Scott Rowland every time I say hot corner. So uh, <laughs> so and, and it starts and the reason why this conversation got started a couple weeks ago because we did talk about. The analysis of the Nolan Arenado trade, who goes from obviously, you know, Coors Field to St. Louis, and is it still Bush Stadium? Is still or did yeah. it, is it still Bush? Uh, one of the one stadiums that hasn't changed names. Well, because uh, they've been they've been a uh, corporate sponsor for a hundred years. Right? Yeah, that's right. That that would make perfect sense, right? <laughs> um, that would make perfect sense. But 
Nolan Arenado, I think the biggest thing before we even get to the rankings is we we've talked about this before. It's it's what does he do outside of course field? And and I, and that's not a slight on Nolan Arenado. It's just listen, it, it's it's natural because of what we heard and and the statistics that we've seen over the years in that nice wide open you know mile high air out there in Colorado. So. For me, I think we all talked about that Arenado was still going to have a really good year. Uh, but when we break down the third base position, we thought I, that's what it was, Dan. And, John, so, you know, I'll bring you into this as well because you weren't here. You know, I thought it was very odd to me that Arenado actually dropped like five slots in the rankings once that trade went down. And I didn't understand it. Because I feel like he's going to a better lineup and a better situation where I think he's going to have more opportunities to drive in runs than he did it in Colorado. So I was trying to figure out why he took a back seat to guys like Rafael Devers, it, you know, which I'm, I'm really shocked. Uh, Manny Machado, listen, uh, you know, obviously tremendous year last year. So he deserves to be where he's at. But. I, you know, I just, Jose Ramirez was the guy in Cleveland. And, and John, let me ask you, just take those two guys before we break down this whole position. Would you rather have Jose Ramirez for Cleveland or Nolan Arenado for St. Louis on your fantasy team? Uh, Jose. Really? Yes. Wow. Fantasy, well, I was just, I, I play mostly five by five leagues, not the points oh. leagues. Okay. So five by five league when I'm getting twenty stolen bases and thirty plus dingers, that that is huge value, especially if you could bat over three hundred. So Arenado does not have any stolen base abilities. He's leaving a good home. I'm going Jose Ramirez all day. Well, that that that, that makes sense. I'm not even thinking about the stolen base element. You know, I and the reason why is I get so uh n- narrow-minded to that when we talk about power hitters because I'm just looking at home runs and right and we say Jose Ramirez I'm like oh yeah okay but well, then, I was, I was gonna say no I mean even looking at the home road splits I mean let's let's exclude last year okay all right five years prior home 21 23 19 25 20 past five years at home away not quite as good but still had um 20 15 18 16 22 so the home road splits in terms of power aren't that bad batting average is a little bit further down so i don't think we're going to see necessarily a 300 hitter so it may not have taken so much of the power but he was he definitely has a better batting average at home so he did i was shocked how much he dropped i mean they're talking about arenado third fourth round fifth round which i will love to get him there (laughs) Um, I want that league. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's what it is. I mean, if if he does tack off, and I don't know, where is he? I was good. I mean, you look, if, if you, you take his stats, and all right, let's say that the homers come down a little bit. All right, so, you know, 2019, you know, he's hitting 38, 30, you know, three-year average, 39 home runs. All right, let's say it comes down to 34, maybe 33. All right. And then you're not getting the 119 RBIs. And then the batting average is going down to your 280 mark. I mean, what happens if he's a 35 homer, 280, 
and you know he he drives in ninety and ninety five. You know, cool I mean it's in the realm of possibility, but at the same time, I like his potential above you know a lot of you know some of these other guys that you know I'm going to take Arenado before I take Lemayu. I yes. mean, that's, that's just me. I love LeMahieu has the multi-position eligibility, Correct. so I'll never have him at third base unless like injuries hit midseason. He's going to be. I love him as a middle guy, but as a, as my corner guy, I'm not too crazy about him. You know. Now you're right, Dan. I think you, you sound like you agree. Correct. Well, I do because he, here's here's the problem with um, Arenado. If we knew since he was traded, I've been kind of tracking this. He's batting behind Goldschmidt. Exactly. If they put, if they reversed the batting order and had Arnado batting third and Goldschmidt batting fourth, I guarantee you he would climb in in the rankings because of protection. So now he's probably got Tyler O'Neill behind him. Now Tyler O'Neill's got some pop, twenty five dingers, I believe. So he's got to hope Tyler O'Neill has a backup year to the year he had last year, so he has protection behind him, so people aren't pitching around him. So that's and, and of course leaving Coors Field. So that's I, that's probably why he's dropped in some of the rankings. But I, I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. I mean, no, he's, it, he's pretty, he's pretty far down. So it's a good point. I mean, listen, we'll, we'll just look at this just for the sake of argument here. Let's just go top 10. Okay. And, and, and I'm just going to default to the ESPN rankings because they're the, the last updated, at, you know, nationally. And you know, I just as a discussion point. So they have Jose Ramirez ranked number one at third base, ninth overall, Machado two, 18th overall, Alex Bregman third, 30th overall, Rafael Devers four, 31st overall, Anthony Rendon fifth, 34th overall, LeMahieu six, 35th overall, Arenado 7th, 37th overall, uh, Suarez 8th, the 58th overall, Biggio 9th, 82nd overall, and rounding out the top 10, you have Matt Chapman in Oakland, ranked 10th, 92nd overall. Now, what I think is very telling is if you look at the overall default rankings that we have, and when you start with Bregman, you go 30, 31, 34, 35, 37. So it looks like exactly what John said in a sense that that gives you that third to fourth round ranking for Nolan Arenado. And I'll be honest with you, I think that's a steal, John, if you can get him in the third or fourth round. Um, and, and here's the thing, too, about Arenado, not to just make this all about him, but he is only 29. In baseball terms, that's young. Right. We're not, I mean, Manny Machado is 28. We're not talking about an old player here. Right. This guy's still got a lot of tread on his tires. Okay. When we talk about this. So I, I, I'll tell you who I'm most intrigued about. And John, let me know what you think. Okay. Because I know, I know you study this like, like more than anybody I know is Biggio in Toronto because between him and Vlad Jr., I'm really excited to see what they do out there. He's ranked 82nd overall, and that's an eighth-round marker in a 10-man league. At 25, dual eligibility at second base and the outfield. What's your take on Biggio this year in Toronto? I'm not a big fan. No? I mean, I, I like I like him, at, you know, longer term. I think he's going to be a good ball player. But I haven't seen enough out of him yet 
to really say that, you know, I I don't have him in my top 10. I mean, that, there there's guys, well, and I, I haven't finished all my rankings, but there's guys who I'm going to take before him. I would almost rather wait and take flyers on some guys. Um, you know, if, if Biggio, I mean, what's he, what's he going to max out at 24 home runs max. I was going to say 25, but yeah. yeah, And and that's max. All right. So, and I don't really see him getting a lot of ribbies. All right. The batting average, is he really going to bat above 300? So I'm sitting there. What does he really provide? I think he's going to be a great player and has a ton of upside, but what is he actually giving me to help my team? Like a top 10 guy should be helping you. And I don't really see anywhere where he helps maybe in the run scored category. Um, but th- that's kind of my opinion. I think he's a little overrated. You know, yeah, I, I agree with that. That's a good point. So Dan, let me ask you this. Let's stay right on the side. Cause he, cause I'm looking at this list and this, this brings us right back to Philadelphia. So there's two guys that I'm looking at right below Bizio on a third base list. Number one is Alex Bohm. Okay, Alec Bone batted 338 last year, right? I mean, we talked about how he may take the next step this year. We shall see. And then even if you want to hold out and go down past the top 20 and look at a guy like Josh Donaldson, who, listen, maybe you want to draft somebody better, right? And you don't want to waste an early pick on a third baseman. Even a Justin Turner at 19, even a Chris Bryant at 14, would you rather take somebody like that Instead of paying off for Biggio? Yeah, because I think some of these guys are going to have bounce back years too. Yep. And that's what that's and what John said is true. If he if he doesn't hit his upside, which is 24, 25 home runs, and he sticks around 17, 18, you don't think Chris Bryant's going to get you those kind of power numbers? That's and good. I think I think yeah. Matt Chapman's ranked too low compared to Biggio. Who? Now Matt Chapman. I think Matt, Ch- Matt Chapman's not an average hitter, but he's got w- much more pop than Biggio. I was just going to say that. Yep, and and he's uh, what is he the second power hitter in Atlanta for Oakland, right? I, I mean, like you know, he's he's the second most explosive player that they have in that lineup. So uh, may, maybe I'm just uh, I'm I'm going overboard because I'm excited about the prospects of him and and, and Vlad Junior uh, in that in the middle and the heart of that Toronto lineup. It well, they're the second. The whole team are second generation ball players, which is right. amazing. It, it, it really is. Bichette. Yep. Uh, it's, yep. Cra- it's crazy. It, it, Bo Bichette, man. I mean, yeah. that's a, it's it is. It's absolutely crazy. So let me you, let, 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 go ahead, John. What's up? Oh no, I was just gonna say. I mean, you hit Josh Josh Donaldson. That's another guy you said mentioned. Chris Bryant. The other one, Max Muncy. There's those, another one. Yes, those are yes. guys that are sitting there in the later rounds that could absolutely perform as a starter. And the only guy that I got two guys highlighted in a separate color, which is Alec Bohm. And I mean, I don't think I can. I'm boycotting the Pirates, but the only guy you could even possibly think of having would be Cabrian Hayes. <laughs> He's boycotting the Pirates. I love it. Absolutely. I, I love it. I do. You bring up a great point about Monty because here's a guy who plays on, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time, you know, playing on really good teams. He plays on one of the best teams in baseball, and he's dual eligible at first and second base, which is huge, especially in a traditional scoring lineup. Now, let, let, let's end on this because the second time I brought his name up, you know, Alec Bohm. To me, you know, and obviously we're local in Philadelphia and 
you read all the reports. If you follow guys like Corey Seidman, who does a fantastic job, you know, Jim Salisbury, another fantastic job reporting for the Phillies. You hear a lot of good things about Alec Bohm. The one thing that Alec Bohm had an issue with last year was he had a shaky glove. And they said this kid's got a ton of heart. He worked his tail off in the offseason to get better, to get better range, to get better fluid on his throws to, to third base, to get a better uh, get a better glove for his fielding percentage. But we're worried about the bat. And what I seen was I seen double-digit multi-hit games last year. Now, I did a feature on this, and we talked about uh, him and, and Zach Eflin. So the numbers are, are, are in my head that he only went hitless four times all year. Uh, that's pretty good when you're talking about fantasy because even if he's not getting you the power numbers, he's at least getting you consistent production. You know, he and that Phillies team, Dan, you know as well as I do, if they're clicking on all cylinders, even a sneaky player like Segura who can get on base, he's going to have opportunities to bank runners home. And I think Al Bohm could be a sneaky, sneaky pick at third base. No, I, I can't argue with that. My only issue, and we talked about this on that show, I believe, is I, f- I find it hard to remember a lot of balls that he pulled hard. He, yep. he, hit, a lo- he hit a lot of opposite field ground balls, um, slice balls to the, to the right side. I don't recall him turning on any power. I think he had one ball to center field that he crushed. Most of them – I think he had th- four home runs or opposite field homers. So I want to see his bat speed increase and then turn on the ball a little more. And again, young hitters come up and tend to be opposite field hitters. Uh, Ryan Howard, his first year, almost every home run was opposite field. I um, mean, he's projected to be a 20 homer, 77 RBI guy. Are you guys buying that? Yes. Okay. I am. I mean, I, I, I am. It, I'm not as worried as the opposite field shots. Uh, only because, especially when you're home park, it's Citizens Bank. Right. Right. It, it, short ports and right field. It's like playing in Yankee Stadium with the short ports, and, you know, in, at Yankee Field. So uh, I actually like that about him. I like that he goes with the ball. Uh, you know, that's one of the things you always hear. And you, you, you're a much better analytics guy than me when it comes to Major League Baseball. But you always consistently hear the coaches talk about go with the pitch, go with the ball, you know, directional hitting. And I think that's what he was doing last year. And I think he'll get better um, from pulling the ball this year because he'll get a, a quicker bat, hopefully, uh, this time around. And that's no, I, no, I agree. I, I, and I don't even know if it was directional hitting. There was a lot of inside-out swings, to be honest There you with go. You. So that's why so, you're a analyst guy. Well, it doesn't <laughs> mean I'm right. It's just my opinion. I, yeah, I, saw, but- I saw a lot of inside-out swings. I, John, you can help me out here. Um, uh, he wasn't pounding the ball. Um, listen, mm-hmm. a base hit gives you confidence, whether it's a, a cue shot or a line drive in a gap. So the kid had confidence. Um, so I do look for him to drive more. I, I think his power will come not from the home runs, but from more gap balls to, to the left side. I that see I, I, he He's going to be a double sitter for me. I'm looking, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm looking at 15 I'm looking at 15 to 20 not 20 to five home runs from him um but I see a lot of I, I see him probably in the team, being up there in the team in doubles I, 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 listen and again as long as like we say as long as consistent production runners on base score on doubles right 
Well, yeah, I mean, you're going to get two points. And, the you know, if you get the two points for the double and you get one point for the hit and, you know, you get a run score, which is another one and maybe an RBI, it's a five-point play. So I, we're hoping that in a lineup that probably goes seven deep, as long as everybody's healthy, that those opportunities will be there. So that's what I'm basing it on. But, hey, I, I've been known to be wrong plenty of times. I just think it's funny how John's boycotting the Pirates. I think it's hilarious. Uh, but, uh <laughs> He's had enough. He's had enough. <laughs> it is so ridiculous. Uh, they, they just they just never cease to amaze you, man. They really don't. I'm sorry, John. And they didn't even get anything. No. They traded the pieces. Like not even they weren't even good pieces, but they got complete garbage back. I'm just waiting for when this rebuild. This is the longest rebuild I've ever seen in the history of Pittsburgh. You're not lying, man. Yeah, I mean, every year it's a lying. rebuild. And even when it, even when they're close, they still didn't spend like they didn't spend to get one player. And every trade they make it, it sets them back even further. Chris Archer, uh, that worked out well. But, I, I mean, I was shocked. Yeah. At that. I was shocked. At that. And uh, what Glass now? Austin Meadows, yeah. Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton. Uh, how many guys you want me to keep going? You know what I mean? Now Josh Bell. Yeah. I, I, it's weird because they're, they're trading players that are controllable assets and they're a small market team. I, so it's not like, it's not like they had Arenado and they were like, I don't want to pay this guy 30 million. Well, that's where Cole came in. What's that? That's that's why they got rid of Cole. Cole, they couldn't afford. That's fine. But everybody else. No, I I agree. Josh Bell return come on yeah I, I i i didn't get that so it's very frustrating all i know is this season last 15 minutes i'm excited for baseball i am um, love fantasy baseball love talking it great episode boys john was great for you to be back yeah, uh we good to have you back right under an hour 15 which is which is great um i think maybe uh you know i i think in the future i think we may go back to um uh just typical podcasting a little bit uh i think it was you know obviously it's COVID and we can't be in the studio together and we're all in you know different venues but i i honestly i don't know about you john but i i kind of look forward to getting back to hanging out doing doing our podcast together you know writing some notes down looking at some spreadsheets and and just doing it behind the mic uh and, and instead of front of the screen so I think eventually that's where we're going to be. And, uh, you know, could be a couple months from now. Who knows? But uh, overall, it's been great. What's up, Dan? You got something, buddy? No. No, I think we're going to say something closing. No, 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 I I was just listening. No, so this is, I mean, you know what, Dan? Honestly, it was, it's, I honestly feel like, and I'll say this on the air, I honestly feel like, you know, the market has become flooded with everybody streaming. Everybody. And, you get to a certain point where when is it enough, right? When is it enough? And and I think, you know, you can go overboard. So I think what we're going to do, and I'll, I'll, listen, I'm spitballing here live on the air. I'm thinking, you know what, maybe we just go live once a month. And, you know, and we're just going to podcast three times a month. So we do four fancy firebox episodes and we don't we don't do them live. We're just going to podcast on three of them. And then then we'll, you know, we'll promote the live show. And, you know, we'll get the interaction going with the live audience. But, you know, I I think it's a it's a good way to go. And I, I think it'll help a lot of people out as well. So we're not 
buzzing up everybody's timeline. So that, that, that's my piece on that. But as always, man, fantastic show. Uh, hour 15, we talk, We touched on baseball. We touched on basketball. We even touched on some early, not so early offseason or way too early offseason football predictions. Uh, but as always, tonight, if you're tuning in live right now or you're, or you're hearing us on replay, make sure you keep it locked here after the Flyers game. Uh, Flyer and Ice Pod, my man Dan Green, my man Vance Crew, checking out. What's going on with the the orange and black? Going to break the game down like nobody else can. Uh, for me, myself, Tony Jigsaw Couture, check me out again tomorrow, as always, Fox Sports The Gambler, uh, for the Daily 3 play, the DFS blend at 615. We're going to build a lineup. And the Flyer and Ice Pod tomorrow night at 715. Right? No game tomorrow, right, Dan? We're 715 no tomorrow game. night. No game. Uh, perfect time. We uh, have uh, we have the great Mark Drumheller on our show tomorrow night. Oh, Mark Drum uh, again. X X is going to give it to you. That's my man X. Man, love it from uh, Fox Sports Gambler and betting for breakfast. Uh, him and Dave Glock do a great job. And as always, for Heat Racer Sports, give us a follow at Heat Racer Sports on all social formats. Hit that subscription. Hit the notification bell. And it was great to have our man Pittsburgh John Coger back. And he will be back next week as well and giving us his formidable wisdom and his calm tone. He is like, you know what John's like? John's like, you know how you, you had that like that that musical rock that's like it's ocean waves. It's supposed to just, you know, it's, it's he's like, it's supposed to calm you down. That's John. Like when I get all fired off, you just ask John a question. He's like, no. Never ambient noise. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I, I've never been called that before. Thank you. Alexa, put John Coker on so I can sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's 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 just be relaxed. John makes everybody relax. He he, you know, it, it's like when we first started this thing. Goddamn, John, four years ago when we started started this thing four years ago, it was like if you listen to the first episode of the Heat Ratio podcast, John's like, I'm here. To calm Tony down, it gets out of hand. It's like it's great, man. It's absolutely perfect. But like we say, as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will catch you next week.